morning, good morning. Welcome to Men Hurt 2, brought to you by Hashtag Coffee with T, and I'm T. Men Hurt 2 is a series that I started to give a safe, a safe space for men to speak their truth. And just, I thought to myself, as women, sometimes we sit around and we get together and we try to figure out men, whether it be our sons, our significant other, our fathers, our nephews, and we try to figure out what goes on to, in the mind of a man. So I thought, what better way to find out than to speak to the men. So I'm so excited today. Y'all know I'm always excited when I have a man in the room because they drop gems. So first I want to tell my men and my women, get you a pen and a piece of paper because this brother right here is gonna keep it the raw truth. Let me just say that. The, the raw truth is about to come out for you. So today we have Lamont Faison, born in Los Angeles, California. This fireball of an individual has always been a risk taker. He has always defied the odds. As a child, Lamont and his family experienced being evicted from house to house and living temporarily out of hotels. As a result of this, Lamont was not focused on school and was kicked out of numerous, on numerous occasions for his misconduct. In 1986, Lamont joined the United States Marine Corps, attempting to create a better life for himself. However, that would be short-lived. He acted out and allowed his anger to get the best of him as he assaulted another Marine and went AWOL for 28 days. This attributed to Lamont receiving a bad conduct discharge. Haunted by his lack of confidence and low self-esteem, he began to make decisions that were detrimental to his life. And I'm gonna start right there and I'm gonna bring Lamont in because if I go any further, y'all gonna already know the whole show. So good morning, Lamont, good morning. Good morning, T, how you doing? I'm so good and I'm so happy to have you here. So listen, I researched you, I watched the interviews, I've been stalking you, not in a, in a bad way, but, but since I came to and I in, inboxed you and said, I would love to have you on my show because I had um, stalked you. So <laughs> in a nice way. So uh, first thing, listen, first thing I, like I said, we were talking behind the scenes about how the only way to get information about a man is from a man. And I want my sisters to understand that I'm bringing the brothers because they speak the truth and we have to listen. We can't twist it or turn it. We just have to listen. So the first thing I ask all of my guests is, tell me a little bit about your blueprint, your backstory. Tell me about your relationship with your mother and your father. Okay, so uh, as you stated before, I was born in um, South Central Los Angeles. And my relationship with my, uh, let me digress. I grew up with a father who I thought was my biological father. And he was not. I think I found out at 15 or 16 years old. And so I grew up with a lot of, and, and, and on top of that, I didn't actually like the guy because wow. he was abusive, emotionally abusive. And he would always treat me differently than he treated my brother. Um, and I never knew why until later on. And it, was, it happened one day when I needed my birth certificate to play sports. And I went to my mother, I said, hey, mom, you know, like any other day, hey, moms, I need my birth certificate. I got to go down here and show these guys on the football team that I'm going to be at this age at this certain time and the whole nine. And my mother had this look on her face and something was peculiar about this face. And I laughed. I said, what, I'm adopted or something? Now, it's crazy that I would say that. And she told me that the man that I was using his last name, he was not my father. Now, I'll tell you, I was livid, happy and livid, because I felt that part of my life was taken 
Wow. And God giving me an opportunity to be able to see if I want to see my biological father or not, or meet him. And so now 15 and 16 in my mind, that's old to be telling somebody that person that's in the household is not their father. Cause I know little kids who know, <laughs> who know who their biological father is. And you wait till I'm almost getting ready to get out of high school soon. You know, so I was living about that. So I became angry yes. and I became, and I acted out. And so I ran away at, uh, I think 17, 17 years old, I ran away from home. Um, and then obviously I came back. I couldn't take care of myself. Um, at 18, I ran to the military. I didn't have this elaborate plan to say, hey, I'm going to the Marine Corps. It was just, this is an escape. And right. so I went to the military with that same anger. Hmm. I hadn't healed. In fact, I hadn't had anybody even have a conversation with me talking about healing or how you feel in the day. So I took that same anger to the military and whoever said anything to me, I would act out. That anger would come out. And the interesting thing about me is that I, uh, I was in for two years um, before I actually got kicked out and I did 28 days in the brig. Um, in that time, I started thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. But my self-esteem team was down here. When I tell you my self-esteem was here, it was at the bottom. And so I would take jobs when I got out, I took jobs like at 7-Eleven. And back then, <laughs> back then, I think the minimum wage was like $4.75 or something like that. And so, because I felt that that's all I was worth. And I never forget that the uh, first sergeant when I was getting out said that you ain't gonna be shit. And I believed him. Right. Along with everything else, being evicted, house to house, uh, my stepfather lying, uh, telling people that we don't have food in the house and fire people, firemen coming to the house with peanut butter. I mean, uh, I remember coming home from school one day and and going to the front door with friends and we got an orange sticker on the door. We was evicted. So, you know, I dealt with a whole lot of that. And oh, in fact, and the other fact is, is that he pawned all my gifts. So we get these Christmas gifts and he pawned my gifts, but he didn't pawn my brothers. And I never understood until I found out that he wasn't my father. What, what did that do to you as far as trusting women? Because your father wasn't completely honest with you. Yeah, so here's the interesting thing. I don't know if it wasn't about trusting women. I think I didn't trust myself because every everything that I do, everything that I did, I was it was born out of pain, right? So to hide my insecurities, I played the role. And, and it's interesting, I played the pretender. I wrote this book, Unveiling the Mask of the Pretender. I pretended that I had it all together, right? To hide, and hide, the, to hide the insecurities and the things that I was going through. So I would actually use the women because the women thought I was good looking. That's the only thing that I had going for me because I didn't have no self-esteem. And so when they would give me compliments, that made me feel good. And if it made me feel like I had power, yeah. right? The problem is the power is unhinged, right? And it, did, it didn't matter who I hurt because I was only getting self-satisfaction and I needed the attention for myself in order for me to feel better about myself. Wow. Yeah. That's just eye-opening. Like, I really want women to listen that men have trauma <clears throat> leads them to behave in certain ways. I don't... 
really think that, and it may be a percentage, a, a small percentage of men that just go around hurting women because they just don't have any sense. Right. But I believe that men are just going around hurting women. I believe they're acting out on their experiences because our experiences are just that an experience. But right. a lot of molded by our experiences. We have to come out of that mindset. So I yes. just tuned in, you tuned into uh, Men Hurt to a series where men get to uh, share their truth. And we're here with Lamont Faison, author and certified radical self-recovery results coach. Mm-hmm. And I say is broken boys become broken men. And I'm so glad because your bio speaks to mm-hmm. that. Right. A whole man from being broken in pieces. And just the, the story of your fa- your stepfather being abusive to you and you not knowing why mm-hmm. is powerful for somebody out here to understand it's not you, it's that person. And he yes. probably too. So I want to ask this question. I want to make this statement. Or it, a question. Are, are, are black men waiting for somebody to rescue them? And who's coming to rescue you? Now, here's the interesting thing. First of all, nobody's coming to rescue us. <laughs> Let me just stop that. We're going to have to rescue ourselves. And what's going to have to happen, here's here's the thing, T. Many black men have been given the same blueprint. Most of the time, we're not taught emotional literacy. In fact, one of those steps to emotional literacy is the ability to feel and to cry. But as men, we're taught, don't cry, what you're crying for. Shut up, stop crying. Well, you're telling me to cut out something that that's going to be useful <laughs> in my life. And now I think crying is a bad thing. So everything I do now is about being macho. It's about being physical. It's about being tough. Thus comes domestic violence. Because I don't know how to talk to you. I've never been taught about love. In fact, I was told to shut up and don't, and don't cry. Wow. Right? So now everything I do is physical. So it's going to take men like me, and that's, that's part of what I do now. It's going to take men like me who's healed, who's going to give you the truth and say, brothers, we got to do something different. I realize that the blueprint we got, we shouldn't have got. Right. But our fathers, their fathers, all follow the same blueprint. You remember the, whole, the old adage of Papa was a rolling stone? Well, that's what most of us do. That's why so much cheating that's why so much we're not, you know, we're, we're out there dipping because all we're doing is following the blueprint. I don't know anything about love. So when I see you, I see physical. I see she fly, she's sexy, and I want to hit it. That's what I see. I don't see the girl that's smart, she intelligent, she's outstanding, and ridiculously amazing. I don't see none of that. Wow. Yeah. Bro, so you can see that I'm flying. Yeah. <laughs> Fly, smart, intelligent, and off the chain, beautiful. Right. Y'all, y'all call him out. We're going to give y'all his information at the end of this broadcast. But I want not only men to listen, I want women to listen. Uh, crucifying you guys because we have to understand that there's a break. Yes as a little boy and if you don't get help you're going to be a broken man so there's a lot of broken men running around and we have to stop being part of that we have to stop breaking them more and I'm not saying like, listen oh, well, men can act crazy or do this underlying problem and get them some help like we have so many uh, conferences for women so many yes. 
and so many spaces for us to go clear our head and, and own and sit. And yes. We have to look out for the brothers because if we're not healed together, our communities are not going to heal. Because Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about how to break this toxic cycle. How, how did you begin? Because in the bio, you talked about, you know, first of all, getting kicked out of the military. Second of all, living from house out, and I get it. My mother was a Rolling Stone. We left in the middle of the I'm from the hood. Right. With nothing on it. And how do we begin to change this toxic behavior after you've been shot? Because you're mm -hmm. not hanging out with drug dealers. You were running the streets. You yeah. failed marriages. Yes. From that toxic behavior that you've always known to be normal. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about this is that at some point, whoever it is, there's going to have to be some type of awakening, right? Nothing changes until it's acknowledged, okay? And so I sit down and I, I looked in the mirror and I tell my clients to do this as well. I need you to look in the mirror when nobody's around and I want you to be 100% absolute honest with yourself and transparency because that's the person who's going to have to fix you, that guy that's in the mirror. You're going to have to have, people call it coming to Jesus, whatever you want to call it, an epiphany, a aha moment, whatever you call it, there has to be an awakening. Once that happens, and for me, that's the way it happened. I remember looking at, I was in the bathroom looking in the mirror, and there was tears flowing down my eyes. This was 19, I want to say 1999, 1999, and I was, tears was running down my eyes, and I said, today I'm going to believe in myself. Now, remember, T, I was working at places like 7-Eleven, pick and save, because that's what, that was my self-worth. That's what I believed. So I believed that I was a 475 type of brother. So that day, I woke up and said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And tears was running down my eyes. And I said, today, I'm going to believe in myself. And I went down. It was a job for the Department of Corrections. I went down, fill out my application, and I sat down and I met with the chief and the secretary. And I was suited up. I had took my earrings out my ear the whole night because I still had that kind of mentality. <laughs> I had the whole night going on. I took all that stuff out, put on the suit, and I went down. And before we started the interview, his name is Chief Page. I said, Chief, I said, before we start this interview, I want to let you know that I got a bad conduct discharge the United States Marine Corps. Is that going to prohibit me from getting this job? And the chief said, yes. Wow. I got up, shook his hand, thanked him and his secretary for the opportunity. And on my way home, I got out the car. That's when we had answer machines. I can hear the secretary's voice on the answer machine. I ran in there and picked up the phone. She says, hey, Lamont. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. The chief said the way you handled yourself, he loved it and he wants you to come back and he wants you to come apply for this job so you can get so you can get into the academy. Man, I went back and I, I, I got the job and I started moving up different levels. And what it showed me was, it was that one day when I had that awakening and said, I'm gonna believe in myself. I'm gonna make this happen because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And for every man out there, 
who says, I want to change, or even sister for that matter, that wants to change, you're going to have to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody didn't rescue me, trust me. And I will tell you, it's a hard task to be transparent about who you really are. Because I had to look in the mirror and talk about the people I hurt, the lies I told, to cover up this lie, the cheating on my spouse, to cover up this lie. I'm married, I'm in Vegas, and I'm seeing some woman in Oakland. <laughs> I'm like, just, and I got a, and a good woman. I mean, it's not like, oh, we having problems, right? And so I'm still acting out. I'm doing all of this crazy stuff. I said, this got to change. This got to change. Say that again, because I want my sis. I want you to say this again. I want you to say that because I want my sisters to understand. You said I had a good woman. Yes. So yes. I want you to understand that sometimes when a brother is doing dirt, it don't have nothing to do with you. Most of the time, it don't have nothing to do with you guys. But I, I will say this: is that when you're getting to know somebody, whether it's a man or a woman, I think you guys ask the wrong questions. I don't, I don't care what your favorite color is. I don't care what you like to do for fun. I wouldn't be asking none of those questions. I'll be asking about your last relationship and I'll be asking, what have you done to heal? Oh, oh, oh what have and, you and, and watch this. Check out the individual's response, their demeanor. If that person's not willing to have that conversation, then that's probably not the individual for you. If we just can't have a conversation about my past, where I come from, and what I'm attempting to do today, because that's going to be important. Yep. Lesson learned. And, and let me say this, and, and <laughs> my friend gonna kill me. Let me say this: Do not think that men that take you out to dinner are gentlemen, because that don't make them automatically a gentleman because they're taking you out to dinner. And I, and I had to tell this to somebody who was in a domestic violence situation and then they started dating somebody else. I say, stop having these men pay for you. Pay for your own meal. You're not with that individual. You're getting to know that person. Pay for your own meal because you're giving control over to somebody. And every time you turn around, you want this, you're saying yes. You want this, you're saying yes. And at the end of the day, all those yeses. And now he wants something in return. And if you say no, that's going to be a problem. It's gonna be a problem, yeah. And, and, and there's this question too: what men men are, are suffering and and their their relationship hopping, they're going from one relationship to another. Yes. Bringing themselves. Speak about that a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so typically, I, and I know some men like this that they can't be alone. Oh. Here, here again, that's covering up an insecurity, right? When you find somebody that just jump, 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 and jump like I did. It's an insecurity. I need to be with someone. The problem is we're not focused on being healed. We're not focused on really getting ourselves together. We're just going through the motions. It's like taking a Band-Aid and covering the wound when you need surgery. So we just, I just keep putting the Band-Aid on it. I just keep putting the Band-Aid on it, going to relationship to relationship to relationship. All my relationships failed. They didn't fail because of the women. They failed because of my behavior and how I was operating and functioning. It's my issue, it's not the woman's issue. It's not her job to heal her man. It's his job to go to therapy and get healing. <laughs> That's my job, right? And so I tell women all the time, take your time when you're getting to know somebody. Right. Stop asking ridiculous questions. I'm, I'm gonna say it again. I don't care what you like to do for fun. 
I want to get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> Dude, have you ever been arrested for domestic violence? <laughs> have you ever been asked real questions? The questions that actually make sense, you know, to what you want. I, I, it was a movie called, T, it was a movie called, um, you ever saw the movie Finding Forster? Oh, Sean Connery? Sean Connery? He asked the, he asked the, the, the character of his name, Jamal. He said, Jamal, the key to a question is to ascertain information that you can utilize for yourself. Oh. Me telling you what color I like and what I like to do for fun ain't doing nothing. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's ask the questions that actually matter, you know? And the other thing is because of our track record as men, we leave a lot of women out there damaged. Yes. And so then when somebody does get healed, now the woman you ran into, she's damaged. So now she's trying to treat you like the average Joe, and now I'm no longer average. <laughs> so I gotta go. <laughs> how did how did you uh, let go of the fact that you had two failed marriages without it consuming you? So first of all, I, the first thing I realized that they were my fault. Right, because I remember somebody asking me, they said, Yeah, two fair relationships. What's wrong with those women? I said, Wasn't well, nothing wrong with those women? It was me. So I started right there. I started right there. I knew that I had great women, which means I had potential, but I knew that I needed to heal. So the first thing I needed to do is deal with self. So in 2006, now look how long it took me to really get to this point 2006, it's only 2020. So in 2006, even though I was, I was working on myself, in 2006, I got bold and I wrote a book called Unveiling the Mask of the Pretender. And what I was going to do was expose my behavior because the reason why most of us fail because we care about what other people think about us. And so when you start changing, people got something to say, but people have something to say anyway, so you might as well change for the good. <laughs> You know, I'm, right. So when I'm out there sl sl slinging dope, you're not saying nothing. But as soon as I try to get myself together, now you think I'm all that. No, I am all that because back then I felt like trash. So yes, I'm doing something different. So I wrote that book and what I did was expose my behavior. So no longer could the enemy, and I say the enemy, which is myself, use that against me. No longer could that voice say, man, who you think you are? No, I wrote about that guy. I talked about it in my book. And just to show that I was serious, the first paragraph in the book, I said, I prayed on women in the church. Their, oh. vulnerability, their vulnerability was my field of choice. I would seek them out like a lion stalking his prey. And I was a minister in the church. And I said, I'm going to expose it. I'm going to put it out there so I can free myself. And if you're going to be transparent, if you're going to free yourself, if you're going to have this radical self-recovery, you're going to have to use radical self-means to make that happen, right? Radical self-recovery means to make that happen. And so what I did was I went right in. I got radical with myself. I said, I'm changing. I don't give a damn what y'all talking about. I'm changing. I'm going to be the best version of myself. I don't care what y'all talking about. I'm going to get rid of this anger. I'm going to manage this, these triggers. I'm not going to forget the triggers. I'm going to deal with the triggers and I'm going to overcome these triggers and make it happen. Because these triggers come from being scarred. Yes. Oh my goodness. Listen, you can drop the mic right there. Listen, if you didn't get nothing from this today, I'm telling you, I got something. I want to ask this question too. We tell men to ask for help. But there's also men who play the victim. Uh -huh. Tell 
we how do we distinguish between or how do men get from feeling like the victim to I'm, I, I really need help so I have to ask? Well, the hardest thing for men to do is ask. I mean, hey, we don't even go to the doctors, most of us, <laughs> to get help. I'm just talking about physical help to find out what's going on with your body, right? But the, the, the thing that I think is that a man still is going to have to make a decision to change. If you're playing victim, you're still going to have to make the decision to say, I've been victimized, but I'm no victim. Right. Right? That was me. I hated my stepfather because I still played victim, right? It's not that I wasn't victimized, but I still walked around as a victim. As soon as I decided, and listen, I didn't talk to nobody initially because uh, I didn't know who to talk to, right? Right? Because actually I don't trust nobody. <laughs> so I didn't talk to anybody. But here again, what I did and what I do with my clients, because I know that, I tell them, go look in that mirror and have a conversation with yourself. Now, if you don't trust you, <laughs> then we got some real work to do. But you got to talk to yourself and say, I want to change. And so the first thing I did, I didn't go to therapy first. I think I went and got a book. Um, when did T.D. Jakes write that book? Now, this for me, it wasn't about religious, but I was looking for anything that had to do with men healing. Okay, so brothers, if you don't want to talk to anybody, go find a book that has to do with men healing. And the book was called He Motions. Yes. By T.D. Jakes, He Motions. Yep. I read that book. First of all, tears was running down my eyes, but I read that book. I read uh, Excuses Be Gone by Dr. Wayne Dyer, right? That book was phenomenal because it gave me no leeway to make an excuse not to heal and to change. So when I talk to my clients, the first thing I tell them is that you gotta be real with yourself. And if you don't wanna talk to nobody, I get that initially, go get a book and start working on yourself. And slowly and gradually, as you read, you understand that I can no longer be the victim, yes. right? I, I now have to thrive. I now have to begin to heal so I can be the best version of myself. People use that as a cliche. You know, I'm the best version. No, most people are not the best version of themselves because they're lying to themselves. When you become the best version of yourself is when you completely empty yourself and be free. And it doesn't matter what you know about me because I've overcome it and you cannot do anything about it. And you can't stop me with your words, whatever it is you have to say. That's being the best version of yourself and being free. Now I can be freely. I can come on the show and tell you my past. I can tell you my fault. I can take personal responsibility for my actions and the women that I hurt. And it's interesting, T, um, the other thing that I did is that once I healed, I, I don't know if I wrote it. Oh, no, I didn't write a letter. I remember writing on Facebook to all of the women that I hurt. I apologize because I couldn't reach out to all of them because I didn't remember. But I uh, to all of the women I hurt, I apologize, mm. right? Because it wasn't me. It was the behavior acting out, yeah. right? It was the behavior. It's a, it was almost like being addicted to drugs. You got arrested, but it wasn't you. It was the drugs that you took, right? I was addicted. I played the victim. I was in pain. I was covering up my insecurities. So I apologize. Yeah. 
and I'll do better, you know? And so, um, so yeah, so the, I still talk to one of those young ladies that I was married to. She's remarried now, has an awesome relationship and I'm ridiculously excited for them. You know, I am, cause they deserve to have people that's gonna treat them well and treat them like the queens that they are. Thank you. And I want every woman to take that apology. Yeah. I want every single woman to take that apology that you may never get from that man who hurt you. Right. I want that apology from Lamont right now. Yeah. I apologize for every woman that I ever hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember some of them. Yes. He, he wrote intentionally. He said it wasn't him. Yeah. It was the pain. It was the trauma. Mm -hmm. It was self-medicating. And that yeah. was the so I want us to understand as women that Thank you for the apology for me because I've been mm -hmm. through yeah. I thought I needed. But being that I've been on a journey of healing and healing is the process because we're going to get hurt in life forever. Yes, yes. I thank you for the apology. I thank you for your transparency. I thank you for coming on here being vulnerable because mm -hmm. it helped, it's helping me right now because mm -hmm. a lot of women have been through things and we don't understand why. Yes. So the transparency gives us the ability to get our own closure mm, yes absolutely and you're tuned into men hurt too brought to you by hashtag coffee with tea and i'm t i'm here with lamont Faison, who is an author and a certified radical self-recovery results coach talk about self-recovery self okay yeah well for me uh first of all when i came up with the term radical self-recovery I used it based on my experience. I'm actually a results coach. I put the radical in front of it. Um, radical self-recovery as I defined it is a drastic change in mindset to yield your desired outcome immediately. When you decide to change self, when you decide to do it, that's your recovery process, it's beginning. Everything you do with self is a responsibility. There's a personal responsibility that goes with it. I, ha I have a, a quote where I say personal growth requires personal action, right? That's what self-recovery is. I don't allow myself to make any excuses. I don't allow, I don't allow you to tell me what my dad or my mother did. I already know what he did. My question to you, self, is what you're going to do about it, self. I don't, I don't give myself no opportunity to go out the box. Everything has to do with self. I know that happened, Lamont. I know this happened to you, Lamont. What are you going to do about it, self? How are you going to correct yourself? I'm going to start reading. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to do the things that I really don't want to do so I can heal, right? I didn't know, T, uh, it's interesting. I didn't know what a good relationship was. I've never seen it. I've, God is my witness. I've never seen a healthy relationship in my family. Oh, that's right. Never. So... It, the crazy part about it, my model, <laughs> I started getting on the computer and following Oprah Winfrey and Stedman, Barack Obama and Michelle. And I started watching these gentlemen's mannerisms with these strong, powerful Black women. And there was a show, there was an award show. This, this almost blew my mind because I had tears coming down my eyes. Oprah received an award from Stedman. I'm sorry, from the award show. And Stedman was there. And she got up on stage and said, Stedman, I thank you. You are amazing. I was like, wow. 
I was like, wow, he's amazing. How, how do you get that response? And they asked Stepman, is he intimidated by Oprah's fame? And, and, and Stepman said, no, I want her to get everything that she deserves, which is totally different for what I got and what I understand and what I have seen, right? And so I started modeling and watching what they're doing and figuring out, okay, how you get to that? How you got that demeanor? So I would read and I would continue to read. And so I hold myself accountable. I don't blame my stepfather. I don't blame my mother. I realized they were victimized too at some point by another family member and they, they just cycled it on down. So if it's going to stop, the buck's going to stop with Lamont face on. Bottom line. Wow. Yep, so, bottom line. Yeah, there are so many black men who are afraid, and like we said, they bounce from relationship to relationship because they don't want to be by themselves. Because mm -hmm. being by themselves, you have to face yourself. Mm -hmm. Why are black men afraid to be honest with themselves? Why do you think they are? Because now remember, you're asking us to do something that typically we don't know how to do, and that's be vulnerable. Right. We're not taught to be vulnerable. We're taught to be protectors. We're taught to be physical. We're taught to be alert, right? Well, if, I, if I'm vulnerable, then I'm probably going to shed tears. If I'm vulnerable, you're going to get the upper hand on me. So why would I give you that? And most of us come out of those streets. <laughs> so, so if you come from there, vulnerable is not one of the things that's high on our list to be. So if you're trying to get a man, baby, just talk to me. That's not happening because now you want me to show myself vulnerable. Now you want me to put myself in a weakened position, so to speak. You know, and now you want me to open myself up. And if I open myself up because I've already been hurt, I'm already full of pain, then I'm susceptible to what you're going to give me. And that may cause me to get angry. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. You asking, you asking men to do things that we're, no, we're not normally accustomed to doing. Um, I have a friend named Dr. Garner. He talks about emotional literacy. He's, he has a PhD in behavioral science. And he talks about that. He said, we wasn't taught emotional literacy. Right. You know, and so everything we do is physical. Why do you think it's so much violence in our community between men? Because the only thing we know how to do, that's how we're going to resolve it. Right. I'm not going to be MLK and let you spit on me. Right, right. I'm going to be more Malcolm X by any means necessary. The problem is, it's with our own people. And that's problematic. Yes. Yeah, that's problematic. How do we as women, and I'm not talking about, because a, a lot of these men, there's a lot of men telling women like Steve Harvey, and I'm not mad at Steve Harvey about his book, Act Like a Woman, Think Like a Man, but a lot of men are on here tell, feeding women stuff because women buy stuff, right? And they, they're giving us a he's supposed to do this and get away from that. I'm not interested in men who are telling me what a man is supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be dating. I already know all of that stuff. Yes. I'm interested in knowing about men, period, as humans. Yes. So how are we as, and I'm speaking from being a mother of three sons, mm -hmm. I'm, a mom. I'm speaking of being a sister, I'm speaking of being an auntie, mm -hmm. a what is it that you guys need from us? Let, let, let me digress for a second, because I want to speak to Steve Harvey real quick. Please do. That's a terrible book. I'm Radical Self-Recovery. I love your honesty. That, that, that's radical self. I'm radical self-recovery. That's a terrible book. Listen, relationships are not about games. Right. If you're writing in a book about some stupid 90-day rule, 
That's a freaking game. That's not sincere. That's not genuine. That's a game. First of all, I wouldn't be taking the um, dating advice from Steve Harvey. No way. So don't get me started on Steve. But the book itself, it, it's a game. Anytime somebody tell you, well, you know, have the 90 day rule, that's a game, right? I want the relationship to be genuine. The truth of the matter is, is that I need to heal. <laughs> we don't need to play games. I need to heal. I need to tell you, T, when I meet you, yeah, T, you know what? This was my past here. These are the things that I've been through. And I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm going to tell you, this is how I've been operating and functioning. And I'm trying to overcome this. Because it needs to allow you to make a conscious decision if I want to get to know this guy now. You know, that's the thing. And so I have a problem with those books like that, right? Because they're still full of games. And it really doesn't address the root of the situation. And the root of the situation is we need healing. So talk to me about healing. Talk to me about getting myself together. Talk to me about going to therapy. Talk about me being coached. Talk about me talking to brothers and getting a group of brothers together and say, hey, we need to get it together. I had a brother on the Raw Truth, my um, talk show, and he said that, um, <laughs> he said the worst mistake he made is when he cheated on his wife. Muslim brother, right? Muslim brother. And now he's with somebody else. But the lesson that he learned was it wasn't about games. He took responsibility for his actions for himself and said it wasn't her. It was me, right? And if we don't stop telling people to play, play games and start telling them we need to heal and get with some brothers and let's just have the conversation. And trust me, man, I realize it's difficult to trust people. I get all that. But you can't tell me punching women in the elevator and knocking them damn near cold is a thing to do and that's manhood. There's nothing manly about you being 200 some pounds cracking your woman in the jaw in the elevator. Right? I mean, that to, even to me, I was like, wow. And it, it makes you look in the mirror and say, dude, are you, you, you like this? You know, what makes you think that I can actually do that? And on top of that, what makes her stay? So now we got, we got two damaged people. Because you got to be damaged to let somebody treat you like that. And you got to be damaged for you to treat them that way. Right? So, yeah. Right. I'm telling you, I say it all the time. Truth plus transparency equals healing. That's my motto. It took yeah. me a long time. And I think that I've been on in a good space in my life for mm -hmm. the last six years. I'm 50. Uh-huh. Up until the last six years to actually be in a space where I feel, where I feel healthy enough. Yes. Away from toxic relationship and like yes. I always tell my clients because I, I help women heal from the devastation of infidelity mm -hmm. clients all the time if you're in a toxic relationship you're toxic it takes two people to be in a toxic relationship yes yes my life that when I see a toxic person if I stay I'm just as toxic as that person and I'm not practicing what I preach or what I teach so Let's talk about the raw truth because our time is winding down. Okay. You have your new show called The Raw Truth. Mm -hmm. and I know the name itself is just The Raw Truth. <laughs> like, it was very important for me to start this platform to give men a safe space to share from, from their direction. I ask the questions, but I let them I ask the questions, but I let the men leave. Mm -hmm. It's important for you to have your show, The Raw Truth, and what is it about? Well, the raw truth is just similar to what you were talking about just now. It's about coming on and telling the truth and being transparent about our lives, you know, and 
thankful enough for me. I didn't have people that come on to tell their truth, even, even a couple of women to come on to tell their truth. The truth of the matter is, is the way we heal is we got to be transparent. But the way I lead, I lead with my vulnerability, right? Because that's got to be the example. If he can open up, then surely I can. You know, this brother been shot. This brother been kicked out of the military. This brother been through two failed marriages. This brother been chaos, <laughs> right? If he can do it, I can too. And that's kind of what the show is. The show is not about people judging you. It's about how do we get ourselves to the next level? How do we take back our community? I often hear people say we need to unite in our community. There will not be no uniting until brothers get it together because we're supposed to be the visionary. We're supposed to be the, the security team for our women. We have to protect our women, but we, we, we can't be cheating on our women. We can't be beating our women and then take them to the podium and tell them to say good things about us. <laughs> I see that so often. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, she's up there on stage with him. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, it's embarrassing, right? It, you cheat on somebody and the world knows it, then you bring your wife on stage and say, well, you know, please give us our privacy. It's a, um, you know, it's a family thing. Well, it's only a family thing now because when you was out there doing what you was doing, it was everybody. <laughs> when we was out there doing what we do, we didn't care about that. But so the show is, is definitely raw and we're getting ready to start shooting new episodes here soon um, in November. Um, and you guys are gonna be in for a treat because you're gonna get the real of the real and you're gonna also get some people on here who's actually recovered and made a radical self-recovery. And that's gonna be important, yes. And so I do have one show, and I might have to call you, T, because I have a, a group of sisters that's gonna be on the show on one side and I have a group of brothers on the other side and I'm gonna be the moderator. <laughs> We gonna we gonna we wanna hear what they got to say. Nobody's allowed to talk, but whoever's speaking, you yeah. know. Yeah, and that's another thing that I believe that I believe in simultaneous healing. Like I said, I have one book called "Is Healing Time: Restoring Hope in Women After Infidelity," mm -hmm. and then I have another book, "Men Is Healing Time: Men Hurt Too." Mm -hmm. I believe that we need to simultaneously heal so right. that our can be healed, and that we can allow our men to lead again because mm -hmm. we forgot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm give a man an opportunity to leave. We don't even give him an opportunity to open the car door no more. Yes, yes, yes. Why, what's going on and why this ain't working? Because yes. people have shifted and, and I'm not trying to be all biblical and all at church. Yes. Yeah. That a man is supposed to lead. So mm -hmm. how do we get back to that as a people of allowing men to lead? And when are men going to take the lead? I mean, they... That's a, that's a, here again, that's a trust issue. You don't let people lead you that you don't trust. Right. Right. And so if you come in with trust issue, then nobody's leading. And if I come in with my own issue, I'm probably not leading. Right. It has to be a trust between those two individuals. And we have to communicate. We have to conversate. And listen, that don't happen overnight. We want to build to this point. We got to build this relationship up. You and I have to be partners. We have to partner. What are our goals? What are they? See, all this stuff need to be discussed before people start tangling, what they call it, entangling, <laughs> and get married and all. Right. This stuff need to be discussed. We might not even be on the same page, you know? So, but we need to discuss these things and we have to have trust because the only way our relationships work is that we trust. I should be able to come home to my house with my woman and have my phone turned up where you can see it answer my phone if it rings and I need you to answer. We ain't even there yet, right? 
So we still flipping our phones upside down. <laughs> so you can't see the call that's coming through. So we need to get to a point where we trust people. And I'm not saying you're prying people's business, but I ought to be able to say, baby, can you answer my phone? I'm doing something. We can't do that yet. You know why we can't do that yet? <laughs> Lying and deceiving. And, I, and, and it's a healthy place to be when you could just be honest and not have to hide. And like I said, I, I got here by way of cheating on my husband. My oh. home started. It's healing time, restoring hope in women after infidelity because I committed adultery and it yes. up and it tore the man who I was who I cheated with was also married. Yes. All our families and now we're not together. Yes. Kids together, and our and it affected our children drastically. It changed generations. So that's how I got here. So my truth plus transparency allowed me to begin to heal. Absolutely. And I understand that the only way we're gonna get it's it's so free to just be an honest person for myself. Like, I'm, I, I, I don't have to hide, I don't have to make stuff up, I don't have to lie. I could, right. just, I could just be honest with everybody. Right. And that's yes. That right. we, we just have to. Absolutely, and that, that's because you're able to show yourself vulnerable now, right? right? If it's about us instructing, if it's about us teaching, if it's about us coaching, then we have to be those leaders, right? Because we have, now we have to change the trajectory of what's going on. Right. Initially, it was OK. They gave us the wrong blueprint. I'm changing that blueprint. We got another we got another some more information that's coming out that we need to utilize. He go a new blueprint, you know. And so now I'm, I'm doing that. I'm drawing that up, you know. So now when young men, because I mentor young men as well. Now, when they hear me talk, they don't hear me talking crazy stuff. They don't hear me talking about calling women names and doing all that. No, brother, do me a favor. Open that door for that, that, that young lady that's coming out of there. Don't go in front of her and rush in front of her. Open the door for her. We got to teach them. Right. Yeah. I'm talking about trust. And, and the one thing I said, I talk to a lot of women that say, I don't trust nobody because of their experiences. I get it. And I tell them this. Listen, I trust everybody. Mm -hmm. The person gives me a reason not to trust them. Mm -hmm. Individual, and I tell them all the time. The problem is that it's not that you don't trust everybody; you don't trust the chooser. Yes. You trust yourself to make good decisions based right. on you made so many poor decisions in your life. Right. That go today and start trusting yourself today. And I know pain and experiences and hurt have made you not trust yourself because. Yeah. How did I choose this fool? You know. Yes, what I mean? yes, yes, yes. Yes. Job or these people or these girlfriends who betrayed me or men, these mm -hmm. dudes that betrayed me or the church that betrayed me. How how did I choose them? So mm -hmm. we have to trust the chooser. And that that's all about going to get the help and healing. So please tell me what's next for you. Tell me about your books and tell me where everybody can find you. Well, the book that I have out now is called Unveiling the Mask of the Pretender. I implore people to go get that book because if you're thinking about being vulnerable or trying to come out of your shell, when you read this book, hopefully this book gives you permission for a lack of a better word to say, you know what? I can, I can work on myself too. I can change as well. I can be vulnerable as well. Um, the next book is coming out. It's called Radical Self-Recovery, right? And uh, that's a book that I'm actually working on now. Um, I'm on Instagram or IG at Lamont Faith Song, Lamont with an E. Last name is F as in Frank, A-I-S-O-N. That is also my Facebook. That is also my Twitter. You can find me, you can find me there and follow me there. Also, let me say this last thing because I'm always asked this question by women is that often you will hear men say, 
you too good for me? And I have to answer this question for these ladies that asked me this question. Uh, a friend of mine called me. She said, well, these men, oh, girl, you the bomb, you the great, you know, you too good for me. And what I want to tell these ladies is you have to believe him. Oh. Because what he's telling you, what he's telling you is he's not healed. He's giving you insight into him already that he's actually not healed. Because I remember when I said that, and I know what that meant. That meant I'm still running the streets. You're a great woman. I really don't want to hurt you. You're too good for me. I'm doing everything I'm big enough, bad enough to do. You got to believe him when he tell you that. Because at that point in time, you probably are too good for him. <laughs> he needs to heal. And he's telling you. What, 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 um, what my Angelou say, say, when somebody show you who they are, believe them. He already told you. Wow. And I tell, told you. I tell my women all the time, let him go to let him grow. Yeah. Holding on to a man and going through the roller coaster ride with him, you yep. are seeing his growth. You are a co-conspirator. You Absolutely. are a Sometimes as much as we love a person, you have to let him go to let him grow. Because what's meant for you is meant for you. Yes. If that's supposed to be your husband, if that's supposed to be your life partner, if you let him go, he's going to go and get his whole entire life together. Yes. That's what it is he needs that's required. Yes. To be with a person that he just said, you're too good for me. So mm -hmm. like you said, listen, so I want you to give a final word to the men. Okay. So men, <clears throat> today is your opportunity to change. Today is your opportunity to make a radical self-recovery. You don't have to go to nobody. You don't have to talk to anybody. Today, you can look in the mirror, ask yourself about you, be transparent about you. And when you decide that you want to change, the first book I want you to go get is He Motions by T.D. Jakes. This is not about religion. I don't care what your religion is. I want you to read the content in that book and begin to slowly shift your paradigm and move from a place of insecurity to being self-assured mm. and showing yourself vulnerable in order for you to rock in the power that exists in you. Wow. Thank you so much, Lamont. This was incredible. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you. Listen, I love you, brother. Like, you just I, really made the rest of my 2020. All and right. We're going to rock it. <laughs> it ain't over yet. Yes, yes. You get everything that you deserve, that God blesses you from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. And I hope that at whatever your heart's desire, it comes into fruition just for coming on here as a black man yes. who have been taught, do not be transparent, uh -huh. do not be vulnerable, do not share your truth because they'll use it against you. Right. I thank you for coming on here and being vulnerable and truthful and giving us permission to heal. So thank you guys for tuning in to Men Hurt Too. I'm your girl, Trey. I will see you next Monday when we have another man who comes to share his truth. Remember what I tell you at the end of all my broadcasts? You deserve the best. Yes, I'm talking to you. You deserve the best. Now go get it. Peace and blessings. And remember Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Peace. Thank you, Lamont. <laughs>